Welcome to Artists in Sobriety. Today we're interviewing uh, Jonas, who is a artist, um, painter, musician, one of my favorite artists actually. We've been friends now, we met about five years ago and we've basically been best friends since. And I, we've, we've seen each other go through all kinds of struggles, especially uh, through sobriety and, and art. And we've helped each other a lot. So that's why I want to have him on to talk about his struggles in sobriety and his journey making art. I just want to say before, because I remember I met him and he told me about what school he went to, what mm -hmm. uh, art school. And I remember there was fire at that art school. And I was thinking, that must be Joan. <laughs> oh, really? It was burning? Yeah. Oh, wow. There was a like a planted fire and I was like, this, it's... <laughs> it's, I bet it's, it's this guy. Yeah. Maybe I can ask him about it now, if it was him. But he won't commit to the crime. Hello? Hey, Jonas, what's up? It's Josh. Hello, Josh. How are you? <laughs> and it's Jessica. Jessica's here as well. Hello, Jessica. I'm very good. How are you? We're good, good, good. Yeah, we're good. Both, we're both good. We're glad that you could make it. Do you want to be in the podcast? We do the yes, podcast I'd now. To. We can do it now. I was just watching um, an old boxing fight. Yeah. So the introduction I was going to do about you is, this is the artist who put the school on fire. The, art, the art school on fire. Uh, maybe. I don't rem rem remember, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we were um, just talking about like you and your art and how Josh would introduce you. How would you introduce yourself? I would introduce myself as someone who's been doing art for my whole life, in particular painting, since I was a kid. And I heard about your pod, and I think it's a great idea to think about making art in sobriety since... That's the question I hear every time someone gets sober is, what about my creativity? So when I heard about it, it's just a great idea. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So I'd like to introduce you, Jonas, to... Um, we met at a meeting about five years ago. And since yeah. then, we've pretty much been best friends. Yes. Um, I consider you one of my favorite artists, contemporary artists. Wow, and uh, And uh, I have one of your biggest pieces at home on my wall. It's a big, huge bird with maybe like 20 kilos of I know of uh, oil paint, black yeah, oil it's 15, paint. 15, 15 kilos okay. of uh, studio paints. Mm -hmm. so, so it's just an honor to be your friend and to be so close to someone who is incredible thinker, musician, one of the best lyricists, Incredible voice, the whole nine. Wow. And now you're fucking sober, too. So. Yes, I am, finally. It took seven years. It was difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so honored to be uh, talking with you guys. I heard about Jessica and uh, Josh has been explaining to me about uh, stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been thinking about it and reading about it. And it's true. It's fucking the shit. That's <laughs> the most scary thing to go up and and make other people laugh and to be alone there at stage so i'm very impressed jessica uh, josh has been talking a lot mm. about you mm. Mm. 
Yeah, and I saw, uh, I know the bird. Yeah, you know the bird. Yeah, I, I've seen it. And I remember when uh, when me and Josh were doing music together for the first time, we were at your um, apartment in Roslags Tull, I think. And the yeah. bird was there. I think it was, a right. diff- it was a different bird. Was it, a, is there more, can I? <laughs> I yeah, he's, he's made tons of birds. Oh. But this one uh, was not there when I lived there. Okay. Um, yeah, the concept actually came from sobriety. Uh, it was just a process work. As I said, I've been into painting and tried to come around and figure out a new, uh, a new angle on painting, on contemporary painting. Hmm. And uh, by just adding painting history, I came up with the conclusion, or God handed me the conclusion, that it uh, could be a figurative framework that would get me further uh, into painting, deeper into painting, since paint has got such a long history. And as soon as I put on a brush on a canvas, I immediately get like 1000 references just by one brush because I've been consuming so much painting. Hmm. But with this figurative framework, I can add anything and any style or any medium onto that frame and it will feel like I do it for the first time since there's no references to a framework that I made up myself. Oh, so the paint is also the frame? It could be. Uh, Some of the birds are made of paint, but I got uh, pretty much critique and questions and anger towards the idea that it could be a painting since one of the first ones I did was in, I was molding it in plastic. Yeah. And uh, I presented it as abstract painting. Mm. Because to me, I was applying uh, color pigment mm-hmm. to plastic and I was just building up the painting with paint. Mm. But can let's get some context first. Could yeah. you tell us your drug and alcohol story in about five or so minutes? Sure. I mean, I started out drinking when I was around a teenager, young teenager, as uh, everybody else. And uh, I found uh, cannabis when I was maybe 17. And I'm born with a neurological uh, disease, OCD, and uh, I developed uh, bipolarity later. So with smoking cannabis, that disappeared totally. It was like a miracle medicine. What disappeared? What, what was disappearing with the smoking, you think? The OCD, I have like a strange parallel universe that informs me about risk. And I dwell upon risk, what could happen and what I could be. And like a really chaotic uh, world of imagination of the worst. And that is a neurological disease. It's like a signal that should go to one, two, three, but it's stuck between one and two. So it's like. I don't get it, but that's okay. By smoking cannabis, that slows down a lot. Mm. So I can see it from a distance and choose with which thought I should think about or want to think about. Ah, okay. Okay, thank you for explaining. Activity of doing drugs. Of course, it came in other drugs into the picture, like all of it: uh, benzo, rohypnol, morphine. 
a lot of uh, amphetamine, speed, ecstasy. Mm. And I, I think like seven years passed like, like that. And uh, then I got very, very, very depressed uh, and sick because the drugs started to not work anymore. So the OCD and the demons just got worse and worse and terrible. Mm. So, and my dad is uh, an alcoholic too. And uh, I, I, I never were, I want to never end up like, like he, he was because he was re- really bad in his alcoholism. Mm. He had like two, two delirium tremens episodes and yeah, he was close to dying. So, but I ended up on a rehab center, like two months in to sobriety. I was like, what happened? I was really kidnapped by, by, by using. How in, did you end up in the rehab? Social service, uh, like um, addiction service in where I lived. Okay, so someone uh, called the cops on you or something? Uh, no. I just remember I would get picked up by social service and driven to uh, Örebro in Sweden, mm. out in the woods, on a treatment center. How old were you then? 24, 25, something like that. Mm. So then I had to start working with, because that's on the treatment center, they had a psychologist. And he told me I had OCD. I had never heard about OCD before, so I thought that my demons were, were true. And uh, there was something wrong with me that I was trying to push away. So when I got told about the diagnosis, totally relief, mm. like boom. So then I went to therapy for one and a half year. And then you stayed sober for a few years, right? Yeah, six years. Mm-hmm. And started going into art and didn't realize that that was another addiction. Hmm. So I ended up in a mental hospital. How was that an addiction, the art? Progressive. I, I mean, it was in control when I was in meetings and meditation and uh, examination. That slowed me down. Mm. But then I got into the Royal Academy in Copenhagen mm. and just stayed in my studio and was working. No drinking, nothing, just manic working. Mm. So I lost my frame, my boundaries totally, and yeah, and ended up in a mental hospital where I had to stay for a very long time. And did you, um, like the philosophy and the art world kind of, because I can relate to it, like the, the thoughts are just going, like, so I can get stuck, you know, and then I dig yeah. deeper into those theories and I start to believe yeah. them even more, and then I'm just yeah. like, I'm just ecstatic, and it feels yeah. wonderful. Uh, yeah. But today I could also like take a step back and be like, okay, I believe this to be be true because it helps me and it makes me happy, but it could also be the other way. Yeah. Uh, true. And and today I can have that distance, but. But I don't want to, <laughs> because the art and the philosophy world is so wonderful. Yes. And so, so was it kind of that you experienced with a manic and mental hospital, like you were stuck in this 
thing. I just remember I couldn't stop myself from working. Mm. I had more ideas that I could handle. And everything I did turned out black. Ah. And I remember I was writing about it. I wrote a novel, actually, at this time about this and what happened. And I wasn't settled with anything. And I said, I, I knew I needed to rest, but I didn't have time to rest because I had an exhibition and the gallerist was ego tripping me. And there was some big thing in Stockholm market opening on a new gallery. Hmm. And uh, I, I was starting to feel so bad, but I couldn't slow down. I also had a I had to move from where I lived, so I didn't have any place to stay in Copenhagen. And my grandmother died, very close to me, friend. And I broke up with my girlfriend. So it was a lot at the same time. Mm. So I was just feeling very bad. And I remember I went to a friend in Stockholm to rest, and I and I got well just by resting for a couple of weeks. But then when I went back to my studio, I got sick again. And uh, then it just snapped after the exhibition in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And snapped? By snapped, it's... What do you mean? What happened? Uh, it felt like I broke something inside of my brain. Mm -hmm. I got paralyzed of half of my uh, body. Oh. My face hung down, my right arm. I couldn't move it. I couldn't walk. Scary. My brain just shut off. Mm. And that's when you went to the mental hospital. Yeah, and oh. they say that your brain has been uh, working too hard, too fast for too long. So eat these pills. Mm. And I said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I can't have these pills. And they say that have to be a secondary problem right now. Mm. So I had the pills and I had a great time at the mental hospital. <laughs> 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 And you survived. Yeah. Yeah. Did your brain get some rest? Yes, it did. Yeah. They just pushed me down in the bed for a couple of months, mm. feeding me with pills. I gained 20 kilos. Mm. It's like anti-psychotic medicine, benzo medicine, antidepressive medicine, bipolar medicine. I was pumped with medicine. Mm. Mm. And how long ago was this? That was 2013, mm. so eight years ago. Yeah. Wow. I remember the first thing I did, because I had a psychosis, a manic psychosis, they said. Mm -hmm. And Copenhagen became conditioned with that psychosis. So every time I stepped out on the street, I was scared to death just by the conditioning with, with the streets and the walls in, in Copenhagen. Mm. So the first thing I did was I took my bicycle down to Christian and smoked weed and drank mm. and moved back to Stockholm mm -hmm. and tried to be sober for a year. And I was also going back and forth to Copenhagen to continue and my BFA. And I remember one time we were going to Berlin on a school trip with my professor group and we were living in a flat together, amount of people. And we did have one key and we were at an exhibition in, in Berlin and I had been sober for a while. So, and I wanted to go home, but I couldn't be alone. 
So at that time, I just opened a beer, and from that day, I was drunk and high for seven years. It's a fascinating story because it it has everything in it that we're talking about, especially yeah. the the trauma of trying to make art sober. I mean, it's yeah. kind of it, it was traumatic for me at least. I remember when I first got sober, I literally did not think I could ever make music again or yeah. cool stuff. And then I realized, well, actually, dude, you haven't made anything yet yeah. that's that cool on your own. Yeah. That was my story, at least. Most of the stuff that I had made before were was incomplete. And most of the stuff yeah. that, you know... Um, most of the stuff that I had made was with other people involved. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, so like, what, what was your road to, I can imagine that it was traumatic being sober then because you uh, associate sobriety with insanity, no? Yes, it was hard to get sober again. I was so afraid that it would come back. But still, I longed for it. Yeah, like when I was sober, I longed. My my my, my friends in in the studios beside me, they were like smoking hash and doing heroin, and I was so much wanted to go into their world because I loved their art. Of mm. course, you never love your own stuff. Mm. But when I look back on it, I mean, I was in my prime. I developed this uh, figurative framework uh, body mm. in sobriety. Yeah, no, because, also, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm just thinking because I can also, like, look at people who can use, and then I get jealous, and I think I also can, but there are actually yeah. people who can handle it and do it once yeah. in a while and also be creative. But to me, I can't. Yeah, and some people can do it all the time, all their life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really bad. Like the guy I used to play music with in New York. He uh, he could get fucked up whenever he wanted to. In fact, one time he ate crack because the cops were coming. Yeah. And, like, he would do heroin sometimes if it was around. Not shoot it and stuff. but Or when we would practice, he would drink three or four beers and go home. And yeah. it's irritating. <laughs> it sounds like a fly or something. It's irritating. Truly irritating, like a fly, like a mosquito. Yeah, but I mean, I just relate to an irritating feeling if I don't have three beers. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, what's the point? Mm. Yeah. So. But Jessica, what you said about the trauma in being in, in being sober and not being able to create, I just watched the Sylvia Plath uh, documentary. I mean, her her first suicide attempt came out of uh, the feeling that she couldn't write anymore. Mm. That's how important it was for her. So it's not art. I mean, it's art is such a reduced word. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's a way to handle stuff. And and people say that self therapy doesn't belong in the art world. I mean, I never heard such a fucked up thing in my whole life. Look at everybody that's been doing art that matters. Uh, I mean, Virginia Woolf, mm. feminism, um, Teju Cole, uh, racism, 
I mean, Ingmar Bergman, everything comes from uh, a longing to understand something uh, they have inside of themselves. Yeah, and I can also, when you when you tell about, like, your art as another, you went into this kind of manic addiction, but at least you didn't use that. Yeah. And you were, yeah. you were high in another way, like, because to me that is a state when i get into uh, creativity it, it it is uh, it is a power in that yeah. and and yeah very strong and and if i don't create that is when like dying happens and that is when yeah. it's not life and then i want to get to life again and how do i get to life yeah by doing yeah. other powerful things as drugs for example but creativity saves i would say yes um, and kills yeah how how do you how do you mean with kills i mean you get very wide open when you're into philosophy and art and reading and thinking and not being able to relate it's a lonely thing when you dig into an area where where, where you, you don't want to be in an area where someone else has been oh yeah you get into the unknown so that's a very lonely place and eventually people want it's like developing a language that no one understands but you want it to be a universal language hmm. but when no one knows what you're talking about it's a lonely place and there's a lot of self-doubt but i think also it's a kind of unmatured un, uh, un maturity unmaturity mm-hmm. because i remember i've been into places where i was feeling very very good in sobriety in sobriety and i and i didn't have a, a reason to create or at least escapism mm. And I mean, that that's where you go into professionality, in my opinion. Right. But at that point, I was so uh, immature that I think I needed that uh, black space. So I think that my mental institution period came out of a, a will to feel bad again. Hmm. Because what my question, though, uh, and what the main thing for me in this podcast is the question of like inspiration, because like I'm not I'm not as inspired when I'm not stoned, for the most part. I'm not, you know, if you give me acid, I'm gonna make a shit ton of weird shit, and or if I smoke a joint, I have to sit down and paint. Or I have to pick up the guitar. But when I'm sober, I, I've, I've struggled really hard with even knowing what to put my energy towards. Half the time I just sit there and wonder what I should be doing right now. And it's like this existential question like, what is my time best suited for? And then I'm kind of in this like, uh, you know, I freeze and I don't do anything. I just sit on my phone looking at Facebook or whatever. 
And once and I, be- I don't believe you, and I think that's such a pers- personal thing. I mean, look at Kandinsky. He invented abstract art through a spiritual experience. Well, I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying that's what my mind tells me. The fact is... Yeah, but I, cre- I know you, and I never met someone as creative as you are, but it's not creative in an area that you want it to be creative. Um... <laughs> Boom! <laughs> in, I don't know how you mean. Like how so? I mean, I think you have uh, an image of what you should do, but you cannot control what you're doing. Mm. And uh, I mean, you send sending you send me tracks and beats and songs. And you're in three different bands and you're painting, and you, you're you so deep into your electron, uh, electronic, 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 mm-hmm. uh, your synths, and you read about the synths, and you go into, like, one sound, and um, the vibration of one sound, and you sit, sit with one sound and calibrate it for days and days, and then you don't think that that tune is enough, because you have an image of that you should do a song about it. Mm. I think of you as a sound artist, but you don't know the language and no one else knows the language. Mm. So you think that you're not creating anything because you don't have the, the a framework to it. And why should it be a framework to things? Look at poetry. You can, you can break poetry down to one word or three words. But, I mean, in the 18th century, you needed to write a novel of 700 pages that you had to fill out with landscape descriptions just to get paid. Right. Well, I I guess what I was trying to get get at is that, uh, you know, my sponsor actually told me when I first got sober that, because I didn't have a higher power and I didn't believe in God, he said, you know, uh, just... You know, if if you make art, if you sit and paint or, or do your music, whatever it is that you like to do, that can be your higher power. That's your connection to your higher power. And I've been ta- I've been that's kind of been my um, my inspiration is that when I feel like crap, I can just like express it in, with the guitar or whatever. And and that that has been a lot of inspiration. Whereas before, when I was using the inspiration was a little bit more playful, I think, because I can't even remember. But, you know, when you smoke a joint, it's like fun. You, you think, you, you know, you can sit and paint all day or whatever. Um, so it's a different yeah, but style. How interesting is that? I, I hear you. It's not. It's not There's as interesting. There's so many artists that smoke cannabis. And, I mean, of course, there are very nice things that comes out from that too but I, that's a personal expression i don't think it had to, nothing to do with the drug at all i think that's a mindset what do you think jessica how, how was it for you no i'm, I'm just still like yeah, a bit thrown off guard here because i'm i'm uh, i'm still with uh, i'm still thinking about the framework and poetry and words as cages of like, how can you create something new? Uh, because, like, seeing stuff that doesn't make sense, then 
it's like, oh, I, I cannot see it because it's not experienced through my senses. So that's why yeah. it's not understood. And that's why I don't like it. Because I want yeah. to understand stuff because I'm a Western mind. And yeah. that's... Uh, yeah. Well, you were talking about this the last podcast. And I honestly didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> and I still don't. And I feel like you two are speaking a different language for me. Because I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Okay, but do you... do? Okay, but then let's... Uh... Because I think I communicate with you now, Jonas. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and now I'm like, are we two nuts? <laughs> and 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 Josh, but okay, so well, I first think, of all, I'm not a writer. But is or it, okay, whatever. I can I can just explain it as uh, okay, the, like the hermeneutic of thinking. So I will understand the, the hermeneutics. I think that's what it is. Like. Uh, how we understand how we understand stuff is a systematic way of seeing the world our interpretation yes so when i think of a chair in my mind i will see a certain chair because i experienced chairs before and yeah. i will see it in my mind but a person who comes from the other side of the world will see a different chair. So that is like the logical, the word. But what if this chair that I have in my mind isn't actually the thing? Because the actual chair is an interpretation of that word. Right. So that word contains all the chairs in the universe. Mm. But that also means it contains all the not chairs or the not yet developed chairs. Yeah, exactly. I think art is being born between your brain and the chair. Mm -hmm. It's like one plus one turns out to number three. Right. I think that's one aspect of, of, uh, of uh, art. And I think that you are doing that, Josh, but you're not accepting that the form is something you don't know. Because I remember when you said how you like to play music. Right. And you wanted to play metal because then you could do whatever you wanted to and people would accept that. Right. And that's why you like to be in certain bands. Yeah. You choose metal just because that's... Yeah, you're so full of bullshit, Josh, because you talk <laughs> about this all the time. Yeah, but I don't understand what you guys are talking about with the unknown and everything. That's and all I'm saying. It's the academic. Yeah, because we are so. Uh, um, it's the school vocabulary, isn't it? Isn't just the the academic uh, like tradition of uh, education. Yeah. So we're schooled in these words. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know I what the fuck so. that I means. So. No. You know, like the reason why I make things or make music mainly or even paint or whatever is to not think when i'm making it and just let it be the way it is and that way i can get to the real shit mm. whatever happens happens um and then when i put that into the out into the world it is super unique yeah and then you take from the unknown and you right. materialize it yeah but i'm not even doing anything because i'm not taking anything 
It's just happening. So that's why I was confused, like taking the unknown. Like it's nothing and then it's something. So there was never really unknown. Yeah, but it's nothing because we cannot define it because it's not yet a definition. But if you have a framework, it depends on what tools you're using, right? If you're using a pen and paper, then that's within those, that frame. So the unknown is like, what will I do with the pen and the, and the paper? Yeah. And if I think about something first, before I draw, then it was known what I thought of, at least to me. Yeah. But let's connect this yeah. to your... Because you are... This concept that you talk about, Jonas, the frame... What was it? Frameless. Um, a figurative frame. A figurative frame. And what is that? Uh, like a uh, figuration, think of a figurative painting. You will think of uh, a figurative shape. Like a circle, a ball, a square. No, yeah, maybe not that symmetric, uh, but uh, a man, a painted man, uh, is a figurative uh, shape. Mm-hmm. And a canvas, a traditional canvas, is static. Yeah. You mean it's a, it's a square or a rectangle? Yeah. 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 And so you and you decided to do it in a figure of a bird. Yeah, and it sounds silly, but according to my interpretation of art history, it makes sense in a chronological way of working through art history because I started if you start off in cave painting Mm. they made symbols to communicate to each other, like, this is something dangerous, and you put that on a wall, Mm. and you collect symbols. I mean, from that, to jump to Renaissance painting, or even before that, where you were painting kings, and then someone said, why paint kings? And you started to paint gods, or the other way around. Mm. And then came modernist paintings and said, why relate to something real? You can, uh, Cezanne started to paint landscapes in in cubes and strict forms. Mm -hmm. And then Picasso picked that up and turned into cubism. Mm. And then someone can say like, why why stay with the cube? Uh, Let's... uh, the impressionists, like the, the impression of the color, you can add the color in a thicker way, and that's a word of figurative uh, painting. Like this is how it feels. Everything is a reaction to what have been um, established as an established uh, language. Right. Mm. I see it as isms, is milestones where we have been in creation progress. And this goes hand in hand with literature, psychology, psychology, literature, it it, it all works together. Like when psychoanalysis came, or maybe before that, serialism came, because then you believed in an unconscious world instead of the real world. So the figurative frame... Could that be then basically anything? It's just a framework. It's just a pictorial platform. And it it relates to painting specifically. Yes. 
because if you talk about painting history more, uh, eventually you come to monochrome painting, which means that the painting is painted in one uh, color, for example. Mm. And and Malevich did that in the twenties, but it came out to be established maybe forty years after. Mm-hmm. And because then you reduced all the impressions to color. Like, isn't this enough? Oh, yeah, and the light. Or, right. No? Yeah, exactly. And the abstract art, like, why should it be related to reality? This is how it should be. And then you have all different kinds of abstract expressions. So how to get further with painting when you end up in a monochrome? Yeah, how do then, you do that? Th- then, then painting started to grow out from that platform to uh, material painting. Maybe you added the texture or like the painting was an object in itself, something you could carry, the weight, the, 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 I mean, the, the tactility of the canvas counted. Mm. So and, let me... Let me and, uh, Go ahead. People started to um, create frames, but it was always related to uh, the begrenzningar, limitations of a frame or a wooden uh, frame. Mm-hmm. But then with plastic, you can just mold your own frame. You have the possibility to mold the frame in a very personal way right Hmm. so the monochrome or the canvas is a platform for a painting that could take different uh, uh, approaches shapes really yeah yeah let me ask you though if we go back to where do you like what's the difference between your uh inspiration now and before you got sober like, how do you tackle the your motivation and inspiration? Uh, I just need to accept that it changes. Mm-hmm. Because I also have my image of that I should be continuing painting. But now I'm just more into music or sound. And I don't want to exhaust my brain. So I go for the easy way. But I remember this since the last time I was uh, getting sober too. The first year I couldn't even draw a, a stick. Mm-hmm. And and so, you were you oh sorry you were mentioning something in the beginning with uh, something with the bird came to you. Yeah. What? That was before the the relapse. Mm-hmm. And it came out just like Josh said, like it just, I was doing, I was trying to paint paintings and I needed to do something with my hands and then the bird shape came out. Mm. And that made sense in relation to painting history. So it's not something that I read and concluded to, to come out. So you're really inspired by the history. Uh, is that something that you kind of like... Use as a as a frame or like work against or with. 
history. Yeah, art history. Yeah. I mean, I, I consume it so much. Mm -hmm. And if I melt it down to one shape, it must be a figurative framework. That's my conclusion of it. Mm -hmm. And why is it important to you? Because I don't, for me, I, I never really cared much about the history of, of uh, music or art or whatever, except, I guess, the contemporary stuff, really. I just copy the stuff I like, and I steal what I steal from the things I like, and and try to make it my own. So I'm just curious, like, what, what, what do you, yeah, like, why? I mean, maybe it's well, it's manskit. It's human. I mean, and if you look at some birds they collect stuff maybe a red red plastic piece to attract a female they dress up and if you look around at town people wearing armoni suits that's not much different from that bird so i think it's a human thing to create and to be uh, to be creative and uh, like all this diagnosis bipolarity i think that's just uh, uh, evolutionary fuck-up that went wrong that was in the beginning meant for different peoples in, in the flock to to do different things. Like the OCD person was collecting, the manic person was hunting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's just an evolutionary thing that we... No, but I think you... Is I think searching you, for something new. I think you misunderstood my question. I'm saying, like, why are you so interested in the art history... And it sounds like you base your art on the history of art or something. Yeah, it's just a chronological thing. You you understood something. Maybe I was looking at Chagall when I was 15. Yeah. And then you're not interested in Chagall anymore because that guy did something else that right. was also interesting. Mm. And and I, I also recently when I... Because I just... Like this past year I've been in art school and I realized what a difference it makes to my own work when I can reference it to other artists like it gets it I create more value in my own art and also I don't have to reinvent everything yeah because I can credit other artists and also if I credit someone then I don't have to explain everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean... It's also, it's also flattering to understand where someone else has been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also it's, uh, it's also sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not special because everyone else thought about this already. But it's also kind of a relief that, oh, actually... I can be understood through yeah, and these that's people. That's postmodernism you're talking about. And is that where we are now? No, I think we're beyond that. But that idea comes from that there cannot be created anything new. Mm. But that's I think that's bullshit because now uh, 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 artificial intelligence is taking over. Yeah. So okay. art has so nothing about drugs to do. No. No, I mean, uh, art, drugs have 
have had a big uh, part in the history of art, but it's not necessary to make art. And I guess the question is like, what's the difference between your art now and before? I'm starting on an empty page again. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I really it's very painful. Mm. It's painful, huh? Yeah. Mm. And I, I also heard when you said, I accept that it take different shapes. Like the art is this force that just needs to get out. And if it's through music or poetry or whatever it has to create i am the 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 tool it uses uh, and yeah. is it do you have a way of like listening in so when you say like blank page what do you listen for or to in that state of pain or or yeah, yeah. i mean it's just uh, confusing it's like you're searching all the time for that stimulation of finding something. And then you think you find something. But then it's just a dream castle. <laughs> again and again and again and again. It's mm. like you're hitting on a Jack Vegas machine. Mm. Waiting for the jackpot. And when do you, when do you strike gold? I don't, I don't know if I will never do it again, but I struck, but I strike when I invented that bird. It gave me so much joy. Mm. Yeah, me too. Like it's, I, 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 I just see it, you know, inside, and it's yeah, it's huge. It's a metaphor. Is it a metaphor? In the beginning, it came out from the stickers you have on the windows. Mm-hmm. Ah. And it's a perfect uh, marketing trick because everybody calls me and sends me pictures of birds on windows because they're everywhere and I claim that symbol. Mm. Nice. But it came off that we are protecting small birds. But we, what really happened is that we've been taken over, standing, standing in the way for the animals. And a bird made with plastic is a paradox and a contradiction to to birds in general and the life of birds. And I think a city bird, uh, a, a connection between me and a bird made of plastic makes sense in a way that I'm a city bird. Mm. That's cool, man. Well, I really appreciate this call, this chat, and... Um... I got. I have so much to think about, and uh, uh, also with talking to you, I also can feel like, oh, I feel understood. In yeah. a way, uh, and. Well, you definitely didn't get that from me. Hold on, someone's trying to call me. Let me. Why is the? Oh. Decline. There you go. But Jessica, what art school are you on? Now I'm at the Stockholm University of the Arts, like uh, old um, for theater, opera, and uh, in performative arts. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I, I'm doing my masters and writing my graduation paper actually on 
meeting the unknown as making the unknown known and making the strange familiar as a um, process of assimilation mm-hmm. and that it's actually the sanity who wants to create sanity from insanity so it's the mm-hmm. it's reason it's the it's reason actually like doing violence on the world but yeah. how, I need to read that yeah yeah and how can but since this is a human condition what we do when we want to know stuff because we want to make sense of the world and that's our mm-hmm. way that's because we we cannot stay in the unknown because that's painful and yeah yeah we we don't know it and we want to know because we are reason. So I want to develop a method of how I can be in the unknown when creating in a safe way. And because it is from the unknown new innovation comes. And it is through playing. And how can we play to create? Um, and especially in uh, performative arts, in theater, uh, and also with the audience. So the audience yeah. can step into the unknown, but feel safe. Uh, yeah, so this is what I want to connect. And eventually, you know, it goes political and it is actually meeting the unknown as a human to human and how that fear is creating distance and war and terror and fascism because we want to control what we know and everything that is unknown is insane and dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, so when you talked about this, like... That's why I was so curious when you said it also kills, you know, this, yeah. the, 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 art and the, the, because it is isolation going in this thinking in my own, on my own. Uh, yeah. And I want validation for my work, but realizing mm. that I need to stay in this work a little bit longer alone because I need mm. to make sense. And then I can yeah. present it because right now it's a mess and I cannot, yeah. you cannot look at this mess. It won't make any sense to you or at least it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me yet. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I totally know what you mean. Hmm. I mean, uh, uh, that's the dangerous part. I mean, I got so exhausted. I needed to uh, self-medicate myself. Hmm. That ended up with having 30 Xanax mm. a day. Yeah, and I just hope I don't get there. Like, no, I'm just going to work for my, one more week. I'm not going to finish it yet. And and then you find more things, you know, and I have to include this and oh, uh, like, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, part of the reason why I am so alone, I don't leave my house and I don't meet people is because I need to do work. Mm. 
I need to finish, I need to sit down and make this song, or I have to do something. And when I do go out, and I'm not creating, I feel like I'm wasting time. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard for me to just go yeah. for a walk with a friend, or meet somebody for, for a cafe, at a cafe. Yeah, I can't relate. Because I'm wasting time. Yeah. And just sitting around chatting is difficult that's why it's easy for me to come here because we're doing a podcast yeah but it wouldn't probably happen if we weren't going to create something together yeah. uh and you know jonas when we hang out we try to make stuff we you know even if it's just for fun and just you know a joke yeah. i feel justified hanging out if we're going to at least create something and that's why i think <laughs> I don't have too many friends, and and I don't do any. I, I stay home. Yeah. So it is. That's what I mean with that. I lost my boundaries because I think that stimulation is something you need to detox from. Mm. I mean, if you don't do art for a period, or at least I find myself having a very good time over a cup of coffee with with a friend, sitting on a square. But if I'm into making art that stimulates me a lot, I don't get as stimulated when I go out. It's like I need a detox from that stimulation. Mm -hmm. And that's like a void. Yeah. yeah. And so so um, maybe we have to wrap this up, but what are you working on now at this moment? I'm still working on the idea of painting. And can I, can, do you want to share, like, where can we see your work? Do you have a show? Do you have a... I don't have a show right now, but you can see my last show. On my galleries don't even have a homepage. You <laughs> uh, have an Instagram account. Um, it's Surdes with a Cess in the end. A-P-S. I didn't get can... that. I don't. Uh, I, I can send you a link later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you want to be uh, anonymous in this show or no? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. Cool, man. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I'm sorry to talk too much. I just got uh, uh, fueled when we were Dude. talking about it. <laughs> It's an interview. We we called you to interview you, so I'm really grateful that you spoke. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. It's so inspiring. I'm so inspired by you and your story and your work and your thinking about your work. Yeah. Thank you. I'm super inspired by you too, man. I, I really appreciate how you can put words to, to things because, I, you know, I never went to art school. I don't, uh, I don't think about the history... I don't care, but it's nice that someone does, and and uh, it it puts context into what I'm doing, I guess. Um, and it, I mean, you and I have been knowing each other. Uh, we lost you. You disappeared. Fuck art school. <laughs> I, now you're back. All I heard was fuck art school. Yeah, let's wrap it up with that. <laughs> All right, cool, bro. I love you, man. Bye.
Thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, let's do it again soon. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. It's such a cool... um, Such a rich human being. So much knowledge and... uh, Deep. Yeah. Yeah, and what a struggle to put all that wisdom into an artifact. Yeah, I mean, well, all I can all I can say is like, the guy is incredible. Yeah, uh, the music is just out of control, and the art is super deep. Um. But most of all, the thought that goes into it. I was a bit scared, to be honest, in the beginning mm-hmm. when he talked about the parallel universe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh oh. Mm-hmm. But then. There we go. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, you know. This guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. And 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 the, and it also makes me sad with um, or not sad. Or what does it make me? Just the realization with the pain and how easy it is to fall into addiction when the reality is not making sense. And the drugs calms that Mm. craziness Mm. down and kind of tune myself into the world. But what I was fascinated... But the one question that I forgot to ask him, though was if art itself, if creating art was therapeutic, and if that was why he did it. But I think he answered it by saying that it was an addiction. Making art was an addiction, and it drove him crazy. So it was actually the opposite. But it would be interesting to know now. Mm, yeah. Because now, in sobriety for me, art is therapy. Mm. Art, when I'm... You know, when I, when I don't want to live anymore... Or whatever, because those thoughts can enter my mind sometimes. Uh, not seriously, but that's when I force myself to make something, and that's what, usually when good things happen. When I feel like shit, <laughs> it's like yeah, but torture. he but he said uh, that it was bullshit when he heard that people say that art isn't therapeutic. Then he said that's bullshit, right. and I understood it as because I can understand it as of course it is therapeutic because you put that which would be a destruction into a creation instead. So instead of destructing yourself, you do it this creational work and that's therapeutic in itself. Right. And you can watch the artifact that you created and then you can reflect on it because, oh, I created this thing. Who am I who created this? Right. And then... It reflects back on you. And you know something about yourself. So to me that is... Now I answered the question. Mm. (laughs) My way. But I think that Jonas would have said that. No, I understand it. Mm. And uh, I feel really um, inspired to do... To make more of these podcasts. And get more, more insight. I was like... 
I don't want to talk anymore. Like right. I felt like, why did I, why, you know, mm. I was like, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I think we should have him back on sometime. Yes, definitely. And that's cool too. We can have people on more than once, you know. Yeah. And um, especially this will sink in. And the other interesting thing, exciting thing is that uh, somebody I know knows Mark Marin, and I actually have his phone number. <laughs> we are getting closer to the dream of having Mickey Macaroni on macaroni. the show. Yeah, Mar Mac macaroni number five. Michael Macaroni. Yeah, that we could call him that, actually, yeah. if we do call him. Yeah, we can so, call <clears throat> him. We can call him. We can call Mango number five. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, another listener was yelling at his phone, apparently, when we said there's no female sober, but uh, Sia. Okay. Lana Del Rey. Call them. Yeah. I said we not? called. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think it's a cool uh, topic for sober artists. I think, I don't know. I mean, I think they, the chances are I mean, Jonas, he brought so much. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. No. Like, what names, if you can. Well, I know that that has been his biggest struggle in getting sober. It's like, how is he going to create? Mm. Uh, and it was for me. So, how do you want to end this? No, I just, I can tell this, that I, I don't create from insanity, but I write about insanity. So it's still in my work. I don't create from insanity. I think I create, like you said last time, to, 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 to keep from going insane. So it's a protection from insanity. Yeah. Because uh, if I don't create, you know, if I can't express how I'm feeling one way or another, then if I don't do it constructively, I'll do it destructively. Yeah. And also, do you know, we create objects, we exist, we reflect on, right. on it ourselves, we live. But a lot of times, if I can't express something in words, because... It's too difficult or, you know, like love, for instance, you know, or yeah, like, weird. it's just hard to put into words and it just seems so like, but most of the time it's just frustration or, or like boredom mm. and just to make something mm. out of nothing. Mm. Like rap, hip hop is the perfect thing, mm. you know, they don't even have instruments, they just rap. And it became the m most popular music out of zero, nada, zilch. I mean, human beings are the most, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but. Maybe you should <laughs> read some history about rap. I it have. was just like nothing. <laughs> I have read about history. Yeah, of you rap. see. Yeah. But I do, I did find it interesting uh, that Jonas kept referring to the history of painting because, like, I just don't... It's just not my interest, I guess. Yeah. Like, who cares? Just show me cool paintings. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
had my I had my favorites, Salvador Dali. That's yeah. like my only favorite. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, but to me, it makes so much sense because instead of be having to explain his bird through, you know, it was just an inspiration. It was just he could actually refer it to this and to that and why, mm. as the, you know, how humans created paintings mm. in history, and so it's not just a piece that cannot be understood. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think that was... I didn't expect that. Mm. But he sounded like a real professional mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. No, it, it. It gives it depth. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the seriousness in art. Like, right. it's not just a cool painting also. Mm. But it is. And... All the work that is behind the work. Right. It's hundreds of years of history to be able to communicate that has to be in that piece Mm -hmm. for it to be what it is. But at the same time, not all art has to have a meaning. And I think that's where I come from. I don't, it doesn't have to have any meaning at all to mean something. No, and I mean it could mean different things for different yeah people. Anyway, exactly, it yeah. could be metaphors. I mean, like a Salvador half Salvador Dali paintings are just odd and weird. Mm. They don't. I don't know if they mean anything, but you can make them mean whatever you want, I guess. But mm. sometimes it's just good because you like it, and that's good enough. Yeah. I think. All right. You know what? I liked the bird before, mm-hmm. but I like it more now. Right. When I know about it. Right. It's really good. Yeah. And it's black. It's. And it's so fucking dark. So. But liberating at the same time. Yeah. It's a bird breaking free from all this paint. It's. It's dark, dark, dark. Bird is the word. Bird is I the had word. to do it now. I was sitting and doing the bird is a word. Uh, well, cool. Yeah. I guess we'll uh, end it there. What do you say? Yes. All right. See ya.